Legends of the Saints, The Faithful Acrobat, by John Wotechko, read by Michael Steele. And so, God commanded a mighty wind that split the sea in two, saving Moses and the Israelites from the clutches of Pharaoh because of their faith in God. John's mother, Margarita, said, finishing her bedtime story, Oh, wow, that story gets better every time, young John said. Could you tell me another? Maybe the one about Lazarus or King Solomon? Tomorrow, his mother said. It's past your bedtime already. For now, let's pray and go to sleep. The 12-year-old closed his eyes, following his mother's example, and began to pray. Wonderful God, I thank you for this day, my family, and everything you have given us. Thank you for always watching over us and providing for our needs. We praise you and glorify you. Amen. Amen, Margarita said. Good night, my dear son. See you in the morning. Good night, Mama. I love you, John said, kissing his mother. Margarita tucked John in his bed and walked to the door. But the boy jumped up out from under his covers before she reached the threshold. Can I show you the newest trick I learned first? John asked, almost breathless. Make it fast, Margarita smiled. John dropped to the ground, balanced himself on his hands, and began walking upside down around the room. His mother laughed at John's talent and enthusiasm. Well done, love. You must have practiced very hard to be able to do that, she said. I did, Mama. I think I'm almost as good as the man from the circus. It astounds me how you learn all those tricks just by watching them, she said. Tightrope walking, juggling. You're amazing, John. And if I'm not careful, you might end up in the circus someday. John dropped out of his position and stood upright. He smiled at his mother. Would you let me join the circus? John asked. I would support you in any vocation you choose, so long as it was the will of God. Now go to bed. Good night, Mama, John said as Margarita covered him back up. She closed John's door behind her and said her own prayers as she walked to her bedroom. Sanctifying Lord, I thank you for my children. Always keep them safe, healthy, and happy. Thank you for John's talent and joy. I pray also for Antonio and Giuseppe. They are good boys, Lord, but they have grown distant from you since the death of their father. Please forgive them. And, Lord, I pray for the heavenly repose of the soul of my Francesco. May perpetual light shine upon him. Amen. Margarita tucked herself under her blanket and closed her eyes. But, before she could fall asleep, there was one final prayer she had to make. She sat up and looked to the sky. Lord, I know that John is a special boy. He has an enthusiasm for the faith that's unheard of in most people, especially the youth. And I know that you will call on him to do great things in your name. I just pray that I have the strength to support him wherever his path may lead. She once again laid down, closed her eyes, 
and fell asleep. The next morning, Margarita was in the kitchen preparing breakfast for her boys. As she was setting the table with four bowls of hot oats, John came running into the kitchen. He could hardly contain himself. Mama, I had such a vivid dream last night. It was so real. I couldn't believe it. Well, settle down and tell me about it, she said. John sat down at the table. I was in a place I had never been before. It was a big room with a bunch of chairs facing one way. Then I realized that it was a classroom. But I was the only one there. Suddenly, I noticed a brilliant light coming from the front of the room. It was so dazzling I couldn't see. I kept squinting and shielding my eyes, and little by little, I was able to make out the figure of a beautiful woman. She was wearing a wonderful blue mantle that sparkled as if it had been woven with thread made of stars. And she began teaching. I couldn't hear anything she was saying, but I know that she was teaching me. What do you think all this means, Mama? It means that you must go to school, his mother said softly. Go to school? But we don't have the money for that. Besides, I'm a farmer, like my father and brothers. I have no need for schooling. But God wants you to go to school, his mother said, even if you don't understand why. But how can I go to school if we don't have the money, John asked. I will just have to look for extra work, Margarita said, but we must get you to school. I can't let you take on extra work just to send me to school, John said. I must do my part. John thought for a moment. I hunt birds for our dinner, he continued. Perhaps I can hunt extra birds and sell them to people in our village. Margarita embraced her son. You are a kind boy, John. If I do a little extra work and you sell birds, I'm sure we will make enough money to send you to school. As she was saying this, Antonio and Giuseppe came into the room. School? Who's talking about school? Antonio, the oldest, said. We are going to send John to school, Margarita said. God is calling him and... You can't be serious, Giuseppe snapped. None of us belong in school. We belong in the fields. Besides, John isn't smart enough to go to school, so why would he even try? Antonio said. I know you may not understand, Margarita said, but John is not our brother anymore, Antonio barked. At this, Margarita slammed her fist on the table with a tear in her eye. A bowl of oats fell to the floor. Don't get mad at them, Mama, John said. I'm doing something they don't understand, and they feel like I'm betraying them. He turned to his brothers. I'm sorry if my actions offend you, but I must do what my mother and the Lord ask of me. It's a waste of time and money, Giuseppe spat, and he and Antonio walked out the door to begin their work in the field. Wait! I'm coming with you, John said. You 
don't belong in the fields, Antonio said, and he slammed the door behind himself. John turned to his sobbing mother. Cheer up, Mama, John said. We must remain steadfast and follow God's path. John gave her a hug and a kiss and cleaned up the oats on the ground before joining his brothers in the field. Over the next few weeks, Margarita and John worked tirelessly to make the extra money. Margarita doubled the amount of clothes she washed for members of the community. John woke up even earlier than usual to hunt for birds before going out in the fields to work with his brothers. Finally, after many weeks of grueling work, mother and son saved enough money for school. The following Monday, John woke up before daybreak and walked 12 miles to the schoolhouse. He entered a small classroom full of chattering students. But as soon as they saw John, they fell silent. They could not understand what they were looking at. Was this a joke? Here was a shaggy boy in tattered clothes who smelled like a farm looking all around the room as if he had never been in a school before. After a moment, one of the kids began laughing, which devolved into the entire classroom laughing. John tried to steel himself, but it was very difficult to not let the children's harsh words affect him. He was used to his brothers bullying him, but not strangers. He looked around the room for an empty seat but nobody wanted him to sit beside them. He slowly walked to the back of the room and found an empty desk. John sat down and said a silent prayer as the children continued laughing. When the teacher walked in, she commanded that the children quiet down. Although John was on the verge of tears, he was reinvigorated when the teacher began teaching about God, the church, and the catechism. But whenever he raised his hand to ask or answer a question, she ignored him. Still, he was thrilled to be learning more about God despite it all. John lived a very busy life of school, bird hunting, farming, and praying. In the little free time he had, he attended the circus and practiced his tricks. And on Sunday, as it was the Lord's Day, he would rest and go to Mass. One such Sunday, John was assisting the priest as an altar server, as he often did. But as he looked into the church, he noticed something he hadn't really thought about before. Where were all the children? There were so many children at school, and even more in the community, whom he never saw at Mass. So he decided that he would try to bring Mass to the children. When the celebration of the Eucharist was dismissed, John went straight to the local park. He placed himself in the middle of the grass and began reciting the day's gospel reading and homily, which he had memorized. He was confident the children would be attracted by the wondrous words of the Lord. But although there were many children in the park, none of them stopped to hear what he had to say. In fact, Some kids from school only approached to make fun of him. John finished his recitation, without one person stopping to listen, 
and walked home with a downtrodden heart. The following Sunday, John once again went to the park, but instead of reciting the gospel, he decided to loudly pray every prayer he knew, the Lord's Prayer, Hail Mary, Glory Be. Surely this will get their attention, John thought to himself, but try as he might, the kids continued to pass him by. On the third Sunday, he was feeling somewhat disheartened. He planned to go to the park again, but he knew that no one would listen to him. Dear God, he prayed after Mass, what can I do that will attract children to hear your word? And almost immediately, John knew exactly how God wanted him to reach out to the children. John went to the park, but instead of reciting the gospel or a prayer, he began performing his circus tricks. He walked a makeshift tightrope between two trees, flipped and rolled like an acrobat, and even performed a couple of magic tricks. Soon, dozens of children, some of whom John recognized from school, gathered to see him perform his amazing feats. But John was only halfway done with his show. When he finished his final act, he thanked the children for coming and asked them to sit down with him in the grass. Many of the kids wandered off, but a handful of children remained and sat down with John, intrigued to see what the talented boy had to say. John began reciting the day's gospel and homily. At first the children were uncertain, but John could see on their faces that, as he spoke, they were becoming more and more engaged. He ended his teaching with a prayer and dismissed the children. John was thankful to God for this opportunity and for his help, but was this a one-time event, or would the children continue listening to his teachings? The following Sunday, John once again arrived at the park after Mass and was shocked to find children already waiting for him, even more than there were last time. He began with his circus tricks, which attracted even more kids to his presentation. Then, he recited that morning's gospel and homily, and even answered several of the children's questions. Only after he finished the closing prayer did the children scatter. This went on for many Sundays. Every week, John would go to the park where more and more children would be waiting for him, eagerly anticipating his amazing circus acts and hungry for his Catholic teachings. Eventually, he even noticed that some of the children were actually attending Mass. Everything was going so wonderfully, and he thanked God and praised his glory. Things were not only getting better at the park, but at school as well. Some of his classmates who were coming to his lessons in the park began treating him more nicely, and soon even his brothers showed up to his performances. However, one Sunday when John was at the altar, he had a sickening realization. The children who had been coming to Mass weren't there. Where had they gone? John wondered. After Mass, he immediately went to the park. There he discovered an acrobat 
performing for an enthralled group of children. John did not recognize the acrobat from the other circuses that came through town, but the man was clearly a veteran. Normally, John would have been thrilled at the man's arrival. However, the acrobat was distracting the kids from attending Mass. John knew it was his duty to intervene. Excuse me, sir, John said politely. I hate to interrupt your wonderful performance, but I need to let you know that this is not a good time for you to be here. It's Sunday morning, and the children should be attending Mass. The acrobat turned just as he was preparing to do a flip. I'll perform whenever I want to perform, the man growled, and he continued his routine. But John was not deterred. Then I challenge you to a contest. What? the acrobat asked, landing from a somersault. I propose four challenges, John said. I will pick two, and you will pick two. If you win more of them, then you can perform in the village whenever you want. But if I win more of them, you must never perform here on Sundays again. You think you can beat an expert like me, boy? The man laughed. You're certainly becoming quite a little pest. But humiliating you will be the best fun I've had in a long time. I agree to your silly contest. They each participated in the four challenges, tightrope walking, handstands, juggling, and backflips. But, one after another, each contest ended in a tie. This is ridiculous, the acrobat exclaimed. It shouldn't be this difficult to beat a kid like you. Well, now what, boy? I propose we compete in one more challenge, John said. Whoever wins this will win the entire contest. But what if it's another tie? The acrobat barked. If it's a tie, John said, you can come here and perform anytime you want. The acrobat smiled. Sounds fair to me, he said. But what's the contest? I will let you choose the final contest, John said. The man thought for a moment trying to conjure up a contest that would be impossible for the boy to win. I challenge you to a tree-climbing contest. Whoever can climb the highest up the tree will be the winner. I accept, John said. When the rivals arrived at the tallest tree in the village, they were surrounded by a flock of children, all excited to see who would win. The acrobat decided he would go first and started his ascent. After a few minutes, the man reached the tree's highest branches. He caught his breath and climbed back down the tall trunk, smiling from ear to ear. You might as well not even try, kid, the acrobat gloated. I reached the top. It's impossible to climb higher than that. I think that I will attempt my climb all the same, John said. With determination in his head and a prayer in his heart, John carefully started his climb. As he approached the topmost branch, he slowly reached out and latched on with both hands. He dangled precariously from this single branch. The children below were frightened for their friend. 
Even the acrobat was concerned the boy would fall. John pulled himself up so his chin was on top of the branch. Then he lifted his upper body over the branch. And finally, using all of the strength he had, he gradually lifted his entire body into a headstand. The tree limb wobbled, but it remained intact. After a moment in the air, John carefully lowered his body and began his descent. When he reached the ground, the children gathered around him and cheered. They had never seen such a remarkable accomplishment. The veteran acrobat scowled as he shook the boy's hand. That was some performance, kid, he said, looking down. You really proved yourself. You've got some talent. And, true to his word, the acrobat turned and walked away. Please don't go yet, John said. I was just about to teach a lesson. Won't you join us? The acrobat was speechless at John's offer. I will stay, the acrobat said. Thank you. So, sitting among the children, the man listened to John and was captivated by the boy's gospel proclamation. John then led them all in a final prayer and, after all the children had dispersed, invited the acrobat to dinner with his family, which the man gratefully accepted. John continued learning about God and sharing his faith with his peers for many Sundays, and as he grew up, he never ceased using playfulness as a way to teach the youth about the faith. The boy became a man who became a saint, who we know today as John Bosco, the father and teacher of youth. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theatre.